Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace, God. Thank you, Lord, that um, we can build our life upon your love, Lord. So help us tonight, Lord, as we get into the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, welcome to Sunday night. We've been uh, cruising through the letter to the Colossians here on Sunday nights. As I was saying before, I can hear the kids like having a blast out there. I love it. I love it. Um, you will hear them from time to time. You'll hear things peg the metal door. <laughs> it's fun. Well, we've been going through the letter to the Colossians uh, here on Sunday nights. And Paul has really encouraged the church out there. He writes this letter to encourage them. They've been so faithful. They've been so loving to one another. And he's also encouraging them to beware of false teachers. It's an amazing letter that we, we find ourselves in. If you would, join me in Colossians 3. And I'll start reading at verse 2. Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let's stop there and we'll pray one more time. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of Scripture, Lord. Father, we wish to see Jesus more clearly, so help us to see him in, your, in these scriptures tonight, Lord. Help us to be inspired by your word and help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, we all agreed by saying, amen. So, this passage tonight is about living a new life in Jesus. It means being kind and patient. Forgiving, just like Jesus forgave us. The most important thing, as we saw right there in that last verse, is to love others. Love is the bond that's holding everything tightly together. So in our new life, we're supposed to put on love like a new outfit. And if you do that, you'll be right on track. And as we saw, Christ he is all that matters. He is all that matters. So let's dig into what this new life in Jesus looks like. Starting um, at verse, uh, verse 2 and 3. The reason why I went back to verse 2 um, from last week is because I thought it really made sense. I was going to start at chapter, uh, verse 3, but it made sense to go back one verse. 
So he tells us in verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we're, we're, we're dead to sin is what he's saying. Our old life is dead to sin and we have a new life hidden in Christ. We're securely hidden in Christ. We have a relationship with God through Jesus, not of anything that we can work up, not by efforts or merit. No, not like what we can merit and earn. No, we have a new life because of Jesus's work on the cross. The last few weeks, we had seen Paul take on mysticism. We saw him take on legalism and whatnot. There's nothing that we can do to add to the cross. Nothing we can do. Jesus's work on the cross saved us. It's by grace we're saved through faith. We can't work it up or do so many good deeds that we earn salvation. Jesus already did it. Our lives are for Christ. They're connected to Christ, which means like we're hidden in Christ. So our, our thoughts and ambitions, they're connected to him too. See, we, we're not, we're setting our minds on things above, things connected to Christ, not things tied to, to the earth like money, power, and influence. That's not where we get our identity. Christ is where we get our identity. Which means heaven, that's our new home. That's our citizenship. Yeah, I know we still live on earth, but we're participating in a spiritual realm. We're called to live life with this heavenly perspective in mind. That's, we're setting our minds on things above. We're setting our minds on things above. We have the citizenship in heaven, but we're living here. Kind of like, I know I'm a citizen of the United States, but when I go with Pastor Bob down to the Mexico outreaches, yes, I enjoy the culture down there and, and I live by the laws of the land down there, but I know where my home is. It's in the United States. I, so I'm like living out there, but I know where my home is, is at. And we're called to have this heavenly perspective as citizens of heaven. Verse four, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now we read back in Philippians a few months ago, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. He's showing that this idea was not just for apostles when he tells us, then you, um, when Christ who is our life. Okay, having a life of Christ is not just for the Old Testament or the New Testament uh, 12 apostles that were kicking it around with Jesus just for those guys. No, no, no. He is our life too. Kind of like when you see guys with stickers, fishing is life, soccer is life, or coffee is life. And what are we living for? None of those things are bad, by the way. I love all of those, okay? I'm just allergic to all the running and soccer. But what he's saying is Jesus is our life. Meaning, what are we or who are we living for? Are we living for Jesus, devoting our lives? Christ, who is our life. 
he says something really interesting here. When he appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. He said with the clouds of heaven and great glory, Matthew 24, 30. Jesus is coming again. This word appears refers to an open display. When Christ appears, we're going to appear up here with him in glory. On that day, gosh, we're going to see the believers in Christ as they really are. Paul, a prisoner, he wasn't just some eccentric Jew who, who uh, the Romans thought he was, some worse than a Gentile traitor to the Jews. No, he wasn't that. He's going to be seen as the, Paul the apostle, the servant to the most high king. It's like people are going to get it. Also remember that, I've said this before, our beliefs impact our behavior. So, if our beliefs impact our behavior, and we know that we know Christ is coming again, then, believer, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Stay in the Word. Stay, stay serving, stay fellowshipping, stay worshiping. You know, just stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So our, how do we do that? Well, our decisions, remember, our, should be informed, informed by this heavenly perspective that we have. If we have this thought and we have this knowledge and this confidence that we're in, we are, we're citizens of heaven, Jesus is in us, we are hidden in him, like scripture is telling us, then our decisions are going to be based on this eternal perspective, this never-ending view. Having a perspective that's centered around Christ, people will call this a Christian worldview, a Christian worldview. If we're citizens of heaven, if we're hidden in Christ, if, we've, if Christ is our life, like we're going to start uh, behaving like we believe in Jesus Christ. It starts to happen. The Holy Spirit, upon believing, enters our life and he moves in and he starts shaking things up he starts drawing us closer to jesus and he starts discipling us and he starts growing fruit out of our lives like gentleness kindness love joy patience this stuff starts growing in us because of this not just naturally but supernaturally because the holy spirit is in us and we're hidden in him. We, get, we start making decisions and living our lives based on the fact that Jesus is in us, we're in Jesus, we're forgiven, so we can go out there and live our lives for Christ. And I pray that that happens for everyone, like that you're so meek, and which is uh, strength under control, you're so gentle and kind that people are like, dude, what has changed in you? And then you have to say, oh, you know what? I started going to church. What? I never thought you would be going to church. I have that conversation at least two, three times a year with old friends. Some people come just to see if it's true that I'm actually a pastor. We'll take them. What? You're a pastor? No way. What changed, Jesus? I pray that that happens to you. 
that you are living such a Christian worldview. And I'm not saying I like walk on water or nothing. It's just some old friends from back in the day. They noticed there's a difference in my life. But that's what happens when Jesus moves in. He changes our lives around. Verse 5, he tells us. The Bible says in verse 5, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The idea is in our, our head tonight. We're living a new life for Christ. So Paul is using the strongest phrase he can think of, put it to death. He's saying another, another way to say it is kill, deaden, deprive of power, wipe out the evil desire lurking in your members. All those animal impulses, another translation says, put those to death, kill them, wipe them out. Wow. How do we put to death these things? How do we put to death? I know that he gave us a, a list. If on your own time you'd like to do a word study, go ahead and do that. It's a great word study. But tonight, rather than the word study, I'd like to look at different types of application. How do we put these things to death? First, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because apart from Staying connected, like he says in John 15, 5, connected to the vine, where the branches, he's the vine, we got to stay connected. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, one of, that's like the first step of putting to death all these things. So we have this relationship. Bible's telling us, put to death all these things. And here's the best that I could come up with. We can practically examine our lives. Ask the hard questions of ourselves. What is it that is getting in the way between me and God? That's a good question to ask. And in prayer, ask, Lord, examine my heart like David did. Get rid of all the sin. Examine yourself. Prayer and repentance. Pray and talk with the Lord. Lord, help me get rid of these things in my life. I repent from that, meaning we walk away. We change our behavior. That's what the word repent means. Change of behavior, a change of mind, a change of behavior. Metanoia is the Greek word for repent. We walk away. If we're walking away from the sin, then we're walking toward God. Another very practical thing we can do is look for accountability in a trusted family member or a friend, a counselor, someone you know that loves you, that's not afraid to say, dude, you're messing up in a loving way. You know, have an account. Pray that God would bring you like a mentor or someone to come alongside you to help you with accountability. The next is we could run from temptation. If you know certain social groups, certain restaurants, or like, you know, let's say drinking's the thing, well, then don't go to restaurants with a full bar and everybody's getting loaded. Stay away from those places. If you know that there's some internet website, get off your cell phone. I have told spouses. Well, then give your cell phone to your spouse. Avoid temptation. Avoid temptation. If needed, man, get counseling. I totally believe in counseling and therapy and whatnot. I totally believe in it. Go find a trusted counselor. We do counseling here at the church. 
if there's a, a bad habit, try to get a good habit in. And you start getting into the Bible daily. Start praying. Start praying with others. Start coming to more church. Come, hang out, get refreshed, get built up, get encouraged, get into a small group. These are just some practical things. No, it's not an exhaustive list. I get it. But don't forget that first step, Jesus. Jesus is that first step. Okay, let's look at verse 6. Because of these things, verse 6 says, these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Wow. On account of all these things, the holy anger of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. These people that are obstinately, stubbornly living this life of obedience, habitually continuing to reject these sons of disobedience. That's what he's saying. These people that are continually rejecting the Lord and, and his teachings. God has a right to be angry. God has a right to be angry. He is holy. He is fair. And he's loving. He's a good dad. If this, just by the way, if this is the first time you've joined us on a Sunday night and you're like, dang, why is he talking about God's wrath a lot? We're just cruising through book by book, verse by verse. So this is where we're at. Welcome. But God is a good dad. And you know what? I'm a good dad to my kids. They mess up, I tell them. Sometimes a little more intensely than others. Because I love my kids. I'd rather, I want to deal with their problems so the cops don't later. Good dads, good parents, we set up boundaries and expectations for our children. We do. It's okay to set up boundaries and expectations and enforce rules. It's being loving. God is loving. He is holy and he is fair. Verse 7. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Okay, I love it. Because it reminds us that God has totally, he's restored us. We're saved. We're restored. We're made whole. We're filled with Jesus. So he's saying like, the Bible's saying right here like, yeah, you once were in these things in which you yourselves once walked. And he's going to get into uh, putting away these old, these old ways. Put them off, he starts to say. Because we have, we're living a new life in Jesus. That's, if I could sum up the whole message, we're living new lives with Jesus. If you take no, point, no other point away from this message tonight, believer in Jesus Christ, you are living a new life in Jesus Christ. All right, let's take verses 8 and 9 together. But now you yourselves, and here it is, put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Verse 9 now, don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Put off all these bad things, all these bad habits. Put them off just like if you were taking off some muddy clothes or some old raggedy clothes. Put them off. Take them off. Toss them out. These behaviors, these attitudes, let's get them out of here. Ditch these habits. Ditch all this like anger and malice and wrath, filthy jokes and all that stuff. Get rid of it all. You don't want to take, no one likes to take all their old baggage into a new relationship. 
Okay, we put it off, let it down, let it go. In fact, the whole thing with uh, the filthy language, I was thinking of Colossians 4, 6, which we'll get to in a few weeks. We're supposed to let our speech be seasoned with salt, a symbol of grace. It's supposed to be seasoned with salt, our speech. But we're to put on, verse 10, having put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. All right, so we take off the old gross clothes that are all messed up and dirty, right? This old life, we have new life in Christ. And he says, and you have put on the new man. We have put on this new nature and we're renewed as you learn more about your creator and become like him you know you have a choice in this right you can choose to let the stuff go and you can choose to put on the new clothes that the lord is talking about you can choose to be renewed to have this new nature when we talk about like in church, you'll often come across a phrase like, the sin, man is born with a sinful nature since at the time of Adam and Eve. That means this, like, we have this natural tendency uh, from our, our grandparents, Adam and Eve, to, to be inclined to have a tendency to sin. But we have this new nature, a new tendency. We have a new inclination. There's, a new, that, there's new thoughts that start flowing in and through us to do good, to be kind, to be forgiving, to be like Jesus. Because, as I said, our main point tonight, we're living a new life with Jesus Christ. And then as we do, as we do, we yearn, desire. We start wanting to learn more about Jesus. The proof is you're all here. We're desiring to learn more about Jesus. We're being renewed, constantly being renewed. We're constantly being renewed. We're trying to learn as much as we can about Jesus because we want to live a life like Jesus. We want to, our, the goal is to have our, God will sanctify us is the theological term. He's setting us apart for him. That's what that word means. Another way to put it is, as you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he starts changing your heart, changing your mind, changing you to where you look more like the image of Christ, which is why people will see, oh, you're more patient, you're more kind. What do you mean you don't want to go out drinking with the guys after work? Oh, come on, man, got church tonight. It's Wednesday night, I got to go to church. Wait, church, you got to go to Wednesday? Yeah, I go to Sunday night too, man. You go to Sunday night? Yeah, I get recharged. You know, it's like, oh, all right. What? We're trying to learn more about Christ. And I was thinking about like when an actor wants to get in a role. They start learning about someone who really does that role really well, who lives that for their lives. You guys go see Top Gun Maverick? That was better than the first one. I love Top Gun Maverick, and I watched all the behind the scenes stuff where like Tom Cruise and all the, the cast, they were flying with real fighter pilots and doing real training, even doing like crash simulations in the tank. Why? Because they wanted to learn, and man, it was a great movie, too. They should pay me money for plugging it like that. I don't know, Tom, if you, you, I'll take the checks to the packing house. 
But when you're really pumped about like someone, you're like, man, I'm serious about this. I want to get into it. I want to learn. Man, like those actors trying to take on this new role and get immersed in the life. That's what it is when we're like digging into God's word. You know, you're reading those gospels, learning the first four books of the New Testament, the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're just tearing up, looking at for everything about Jesus. Then you're like, wow, and you start ripping through the New Testament. Wow, I can't believe all this great stuff. I've heard of all these wise sayings. I didn't know it was all biblical. Then you start going through the New Testament because you went through the Old Testament, and the New Testament, the right side of the Bible, is the best commentary on the Old Testament. You have Jesus, the Messiah, and he's the missing piece. When you read the Old Testament, it's all about Jesus. And you just really start getting immersed and excited because you have this new life with Christ. You have a new heart. So you learn as much as you can about the real deal. You immerse yourself in this information. And he changes our lives. And I love verse 11. He says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, because Christ is all and in all. In this new life that we have, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. If you've never heard that before, back in the first century, even now, you have the Jewish people that were sons and daughters of Abraham from the 12 tribes, the Jewish people, and then anyone who is not a Jew, whether you're uh, African, Egyptian, uh, Turkish, Chinese, whatever, anything else, Russian, you were not a Jew, so they call you Gentile. That's, doesn't matter if you were circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, if you were a slave or if you were a free man, it doesn't matter. Christ is in all. That's all that matters. And he is in all of us. God does not have any favorites. He does not have any favorites because Christ, he's in the first place. He's the first priority in everything. What, what does all this really mean then? Well, Jesus Christ died and rose again for everyone. For everyone. So, if you're living in this new life, treat everybody equally. Prioritize Christ above everybody else. Show love and unity to all people. All people. Because Christ is all that truly matters. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Okay, he goes, so you, you Christians, you believers, you followers of Jesus, chosen by God, God has chosen the Christian and chosen him to be something special in his plan. And then he calls us holy and beloved. You're holy. What? Yeah, you're holy. You've been set apart is what that word means for God's specific plans and purpose. And you're beloved. You are well loved by the creator of the universe. You are well loved by the creator of the universe. You are beloved. God loves each of us right where we're at. And he loves us way too much to leave us there. 
which is why you see addicts no longer addicts. People working the streets no longer working the streets. People that were once, man, having crazy lives out there, they're no longer doing that anymore because God loves us so much that he doesn't leave us right where we're at. He loves us and he changes us, brings us into closer fellowship with him. The Bible says that we're his masterpiece in Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You're his masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10 says, and you were created for good works that he, had, he has planned long ago, that we should walk in them. He gives us choice. So he says we're supposed to put on this new wardrobe, tender mercies, kindness, compassion, and whatnot. What was the list again? Let me go back to it. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Meekness is this like quiet strength, power under control. Long-suffering means this ability to suffer a long time. We're supposed to put on this new life. We have these new outfits in our closets, okay? God's telling us what to put on and what to put off. Man, God's doing it better, way better than Clinton and Stacy from what not to wear. He's telling us what we should put on. Yeah, I'm, listen, I'm the only guy in my household, even my dog is a girl. I've watched what not to wear before, okay? I have daughters and I have a wife and a female dog. We, I watch girl shows. God is telling us what to ditch and what to put on. That's what he's saying. He has these qualities to put on, for us to put on, because we have this new life in Jesus Christ. But these qualities that we saw in verse 12, they're so different from those sinful qualities that we saw in verses 5, 8, and 9. They're so different. God has a new life plan for us. He has new, a new outfit plan for us. He has a new heart, Ezekiel 26, oh, excuse me, Ezekiel 36, 26 says. He's got a whole new thing for us that we should choose to put all this on. And he ties it all together. Oh, yeah. And love is what he ties it all together with. It's the overcoat. He says in verse 13, all these new qualities that we have were to Bear with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must also do. This is a tough one. This is a hard one. It's totally a hard one. I get it. I get it. So, but listen, you're not doing it alone. It's not like he's sending you into battle like naked. <laughs> no, he's got a whole armor for you. He's got a whole new wardrobe for you. He's got Christ in you. And he says, I want you to be forgiving one another because God knows with forgiveness comes freedom. With forgiveness comes freedom. Forgiving, which means to give grace. Cancel. A lot of people going through the holiday are going to hope that their credit card will forgive them. Cancel the debt between them, right? That's what he means, forgive. God forgave us, we're to forgive others. And he, Paul's not just telling people, hey guys, just forgive. No, no, look at the flow of this chapter that we've read so far. He's told us about our need for Jesus. He told, tells us that we're in Jesus. He tells us that um, 
It's always been about grace through faith, right? That we have Jesus. We're in Christ. Jesus is in us. We get away from our old lives. We put on all this new wardrobe of tender mercy, kindness, gentleness, that quiet strength, meekness, and long-suffering, which means to suffer a long time. We're not doing this on our own and left to our own resources. We're called to forgive with the resources of the God of the universe. Forgiveness fosters freedom. Forgiveness is not approving or agreeing with the person who has sinned. Forgiveness is not approving, nor is it agreeing with their sin. It does mean, though, that you are canceling the debt between you and the offender. Even as Christ forgave, you so must also do, it says. So, as Christ forgave, I think we're supposed to look at Christ as our model, as our model. Well, the Lord is long-suffering. He's very patient with sinners, this is, which is why uh, you have kids that get saved at a young age and you have guys that get saved at an old age. He's very long-suffering. Look at the thief on the cross. He was right on his... <laughs> he, he, knocking on death's door, man, that guy rang the doorbell. <laughs> and he was able to be forgiven right there, right before he died. Okay, so God does suffer a long time. He is patient. He endures the troubles we put God through. He reaches out. You know what also God does? As he reaches out to bad people to bring forgiveness to them, God makes the first move. While we were still sinners, he demonstrates his love for us that Christ died for us, is what the Bible says. So God suffers a long time. God also reaches out. He's the one who makes the first move. Oh, man, Rick. I know, guys, this is way easier said than done, which is why I just teach it. No, no, it's... It's, it is hard. It is hard. And I know this stuff gets harder as we cruise through the holidays. I know it does. I get it. I get it. Our preference is not to reconcile or to forgive the offender if they still have a bad character. You know, we're, oh, they don't deserve it. Dude, we don't deserve Christ's love. That's why it's agape love, this undeserving love that Jesus gives us, that God gives us. God's not telling us to do it on our own. He's equipping us for this task. God knows that holding on to unforgiveness doesn't punish the offender. It punishes us. The classic illustration is when you're getting bitter and not forgiving someone, is you're drinking the poison and hope it hurts the other guy. God knows that forgiveness fosters freedom it fosters freedom and as powerful as this forgiveness says he says right here as we close but above all these things put on love put on love which is the bond of perfection love is the most important piece of the new clothes and the new life that we have in jesus christ as lenny kravitz say saying let love rule we're supposed to let love rule Love is the bond of perfection. I know that tonight we went through some stuff that kind of makes us squirm, 
that just means you're getting close to the Lord. As we get closer to him, we're kind of like, oh, Lord, I need help on this and I need help on that. Yeah, me too. I'm, going, I'm the one who has to go through this study all week and I'm like squirming, talking to friends like, hey, man, you think I'm supposed to forgive that? Yeah, dude, I think that's what you're supposed to forgive that too. I'm like, oh, man, I've been holding on to this grudge for a while. We're supposed to put off all these bad habits, put on all these nice new clothes that the Lord gives us. He's never telling us, oh, you guys, you do it on your own and prove yourself to me. That's not how he operates. He says, my son died for you. He rose again. And my Holy Spirit, he's in you now. And he's growing fruit in you, Galatians 5.22 says. What do we have to do in this whole thing? We have to have faith, confidence, trust in the Lord. And we need to let him, choose. we need to choose to do these things. To choose to allow God to do these things in our life. That's what we're supposed to do. Living this new life for Christ. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you, God, for your grace, God. Lord, I thank you that you don't just bark out orders and, and uh, make us do stuff left to our own resources. We have the Holy Spirit, God, flowing in us, through us, working, God. And I'm so grateful for your grace in my life, Lord, in the lives of so many that I've seen. Lord, thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for the, all the untold stories and praise reports that are out there, God, of how you've changed life and grown families, changed households and generations because someone chose to surrender their life to you. Thank you, God, for a new wardrobe, a new robe of righteousness, God, that is offered freely to us through the life of Jesus Christ. Your son, Lord, your beloved son who died for us. Guys, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if, if you've never asked the Lord into your life, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, if you'd like to know where you'll spend eternity, then this moment is for you. We say a simple prayer. You can say it out loud with us if you'd like, or you could pray it in the intimacy of your own heart. It's a simple prayer asking Jesus to come into your life. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that I can serve you from this day forward. And all of God's kids agreed by saying, Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Well, church, if no one's told you that they love you, I love you, church. But man, as we learned tonight, God loves you radically more. So God bless you guys and good night. Have a good one.